I learned during that time not to allow people to rent space in my mind. I learned how to leave my feelings at the house for people that love me. But if you're somewhere being quiet with your head down and then don't nobody know what you did, ain't nobody gonna choose you. Anything a man can build, a woman can fix it. Hey, it's Catherine, and you're listening to another episode of Space to Build, the podcast dedicated to the hardworking women in construction. This week, we speak to Tanya Hicks, serial entrepreneur, mother of two, and advocator for women. She takes us on her journey through construction, starting off with being the first woman wireman for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Her experience in the union led her to start Power Solutions, an electrical contracting firm in Georgia. From there, she started Women Do Everything, a consulting business to provide career guidance for women in male-dominated industries. And if that wasn't enough... Tanya also is the board chair for Partners in Action for Healthy Living, where she ties together different facets of her life into a way that gives back to the community around her. Are you ready for this episode? Before we get started, I want to introduce you to Sweet Therapy by my equally sweet friend, Jade. She started Sweet Therapy, a vegan skincare line, as a way to bring balance into her life as a woman in construction. Jade is a fellow superintendent in the D.C. area, so she understands the need to relax, indulge, and empower herself in between all the craziness. She sells made-to-order body products, such as body butter, lip products, and sugar scrubs. My favorite is the Citrus Burst Sugar Scrub. As a listener to this podcast, Jade is offering us a 20% off code that you can enter at checkout. It's S2B20. Again, S2B20. And you can head over to our website at sweettherapybyjade.com to check out what she's got. All right, let's get started. Thank you for joining us today, Tanya. How are you? I'm doing awesome. All right, you want to go ahead and get started? Yes, I'm ready. All right, first question. Who is Tanya? I am a a serial entrepreneur, not just an entrepreneur. I'm seem like four-time entrepreneur. I have three businesses right now, and I've had one failure. I'm a single mom. I have a 27-year-old son, and I have a 14-year-old son. And um, I I also, one of my companies, Women Do Everything, I like to say, I feel like I'm like the auntie the big auntie to different women that young women that are coming up and um, want advice. I wish, cause I wish I had more advice from women, um, just women in general, not just women in my field to kind of help usher us through life and to, you know, to tell us we're, you're enough and you're okay. So I'm like uh, the auntie. Oh, I love Everybody, that. Everybody's auntie. Yeah, yeah, we need more people like that to cheer us on and, uh, you know, give us tough love when we need it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So why don't we talk about how you got into construction and we'll work our way to all the businesses that you've run. Um, I, my, I first got in construction after my sophomore year in college. I went to work in a paper mill during the summertime on construction site as a laborer. 
And um, I was in school with a full math scholarship to become a mathematician. And I had this idea in my head that I was going to be working for the Pentagon, cracking codes, you know. And my professor, one of my professors was like, well, they don't, have, they don't really have jobs like that for women. The best you're going to be able to, to do is be- become a teacher. And I didn't want, I have a lot of teachers in my family. I didn't want to be a teacher. So when I went on this construction site and I saw the industrial electricians use math all day, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become, become an electrician. I had no idea. I mean, I'm like 21. So I had no, like, real, I mean, when I was about 20 at the time. I had no idea that, you know, it was going to, that it was going to be hard for women or that there were no women um, in my local or in, or black women in the local that, I mean, that, that looked like me. It was just, I had no idea. I just knew what I was going to do. And I decided, yeah. And I decided, Oh, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this for free. (laughs) I was going to have to give up my scholarship to do it. And so that's why I went, I saw something in a newspaper where the IBEW was accepting apprentices. What's IBEW? It's the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Okay. And I, I took the test because it's an entry level test to get in. And um, I started my five-year apprenticeship, which Very was cool. really, really tough. Yeah, it was really, really tough because I was the only woman and I became the only woman in that local. How, like, so were you the only woman, woman there the entire time or the only one that had graduated? I was the first woman to graduate. We did have another young lady, I'm, but um, I had graduated prior to her but she didn't she didn't complete it but um she had came on like my last year there okay yeah any reason or do you know why she didn't complete it no I think it was some personal stuff I don't think um it was like it was too hard for her or anything I think I don't I don't know if she got married or something like that I'm not sure okay so when, when you say that it was hard as a woman, like what kind of things did you face? Well, I think it's like I was a little young, so I didn't understand like what discrimination was when it came to against women, I, you know, or harassment. I didn't understand the um, sexual harassment, what that really meant. And so they said a lot of things to me, but when they said something to me, I said something back. So <laughs> I, I, I maybe I was just as bad as that. I don't know. But whatever they gave to me, I gave it right back to them. So at what point did you sit and realize that it was harassment or you know, prejudice? <laughs> when I got my own company and I had to send my people through sexual harassment and har- har- harassment training. Okay. And it was like, oh my God, oh my good. And it, you know, and just looking back, it was like, 
sometimes when you're naive, it's almost like you kind of sheltered from some of the things that you didn't know. And even though it was times I knew they were treating me badly, I was just so determined not to let them stop me. I didn't care what they said. It's like I I learned during that time not to allow people to rent space in my mind. Oh, that's such a good lesson to have like drilled into you. Like that's that's hard. Like I was actually just talking to somebody the other day about you know a situation that she had been in. But at that point in time, she had no idea. Like it was a bad, toxic relationship until she got out of it. And she like looked back, was like, you know, oh, like, like you, where she's like, it's just mind blowing. Like, this is what I was going through. And I think um, what we can do to help other women coming into this industry is to explain to them what those bad signs are. So is there something that you can um, share along those lines? Um, I guess uh, I can share a little, a little story to where, um, well, they would make me clean up the trailers. So while the other, um, while the other apprentices were able to work on different things, I was sent to the trailer to clean up. And was that only you that did that role? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. But but um what I can say is it was also education for me because having to be in the office trailers and clean up, that's how I learned how to estimate. Oh sweet. Taking that's how action. I'm because I'm a woman. I read everything. Everything <laughs> that was around, I was reading. And uh their wives and girlfriends would call on the office phone and I'm like, hey, Cheryl, how you doing? So I became friends with all the girlfriends and stuff. And so whenever they would treat me bad, I was like, I bet you Shirley don't know you saying that to me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did that stop them? Oh my goodness, yes. Of course. Wow. That's yeah. actually really cool because you know, I've been in situations like, oh God, what was that last summer actually? I went to go call one of my building engineers and his wife picked up and it was early in the morning because I work 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. And she got on the phone. I was like, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. We were scheduled to meet at this time. And she just got super suspicious and really uncomfortable, but she wasn't too like forward about it. But then later when he did show up, he chewed me out like, full on in front of everybody screaming, throwing a fit that I insinuated that he was cheating on his wife. I was like, um, no, but if you were here when you said you were going to be here, this would have never been the situation because he had left his cell phone at home, which is another issue in itself. But yeah, it was just like, I'm not a morning person. So it was just like a shock to the system. And all the guys around me were like, we weren't sure if we needed to step in but we were really uncomfortable for you. It was just a weird situation. So it's cool to hear that like, you could talk to these uh, wives and these girlfriends and actually got close with them or at least got friendly with them. And you have to understand most of them were, um, were white, they weren't black. So I you know, guess of course they probably like they could. And I'm sure that they told their wives 
that I wasn't, um, they told their wives that I wasn't, that I was there, so to speak. You know, it was a big deal that, that I, they, oh, we got a girl that's working. And so I think that's mostly what that is. And, um, but even what you, what you're saying, I also had to learn not to allow other people issues to weigh me down. What you went through, that was their issue. And mm -hmm. obviously he had been cheating before or she mm -hmm. wouldn't have gotten so upset. That had nothing to do with you. And him acting that way um, was a result of the fear that he might, you know, something might happen in their relationship. But that has nothing to do with you. And the good thing is you had the composure to just take, you know, just take it and just let him say whatever he wanted to say. I did not have that. I wish I did. I would shoot him a new one. He wouldn't talk to me like that anymore. But um, but that was my personality. It's like, you said something to me, I'm saying something to you. And it's like, I never let them get under my skin because I didn't feel like, I learned how to leave my feelings at the house for people that love me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I didn't. I didn't care what they said. It's like <laughs> I had this thing. You, I like to say that I was um, brave enough to go and hungry enough to stay. Nothing was gonna keep me from what I was doing. Not oh, them. I love yeah. that quote. That is such a good mindset to have. So. Were you always confident like that and always just filtered out all the extra crap or did you have to learn that? I don't, I think I'm, I think I grew up with that watching my uncles cause I have a lot of uncles and they were just always confident by who they were. And so I kind of came up that way. And then when you realize that the men that are bragging on themselves really don't know what they doing, it's like child please. You know, I'm like, like, whatever, you know. And so I used to say, you know, I'm the best electrician out here. You know, I'm the best this and that. So I would always pump myself up at work. And that's a good technique. You have to sometimes you have to remind yourself of how amazing you are. And you have to say it out loud and you have to let them know. I run circles around y'all. <laughs> some of them would laugh and some were like okay yeah we know you're the best we know <laughs> that's such a good point to bring up because as women we tend to not do things like that so oh, it's, no. it's good to hear that like doing it actually like fixes that <laughs> oh, oh and this is a thing when you it's almost like you got to, men put their points on the board. They can take out the trash. They be like, yeah, I took out the trash. You're like, okay, we don't. You know, they want a <laughs> recognition for everything. So I started doing what they would do. I started getting recognition, one recognition for everything too. Yeah, I took your tool bag down to such, you know, it's like announcing what I did. So whenever they were picking a team member for to go on a certain wire crew or something. It's like, I make sure people knew, oh, I, I bent that pipe. 
or I did this. Did you see that right there? Or I wired that. So they would choose because usually men want to choose who's the they want to win. So they're going to put the winning people on their team. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to prove yourself in order to be chosen. But if you are somewhere being quiet with your head down and don't nobody know what you did, ain't nobody going to choose you. So that's what got you on jobs then? Yeah, yeah. And I had to learn their respect, so to speak. And um, it's pretty awesome once you do. But I knew just me getting out there every day, just everything that I did, I felt like I was winning every day. I love that. So how long were you in the apprenticeship program? In the IBW, which is the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, it's a five-year program. Okay. So what happens after that five years? Do you automatically get a job or do you still have to apply for, or how does that like, what's that look like trying to enter the workforce? Well, you, well, when you're union, you, you sign the book at whatever union hall that you're seeking work in that area. Okay. And when you sign the book, they go in order by night, you know, go in order of who's next when the calls come out. So they could have 20 calls. So they'll go in order for the next 20 people. So I've had very little experience with union workers. So I'm still learning about that process. So does every apprenticeship filter into a union or is it just your particular path that you took filtered into the union? Um, Just the path that I took every trade has a union okay yeah i've heard that it's just a lot of the guys i work with they are parts of set crews so very rarely do i have a union uh worker on my job all right so um you talked about being you'd have to filter through this list with the union um what was that experience like and did you constantly have work while they were kind of filtering through this list well, they don't, it's not a filter. It's like, it's, it goes in order. Oh, sorry, that's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I guess not filter, but like, as you get called up, you, like as you're next on the list, um, like, did you constantly have work or did you have to like hang out and wait around for work to eventually start because you weren't next on the list? Um, no, for the most part, I would only travel, but you can travel from city to city. I would only traveled to places that had work okay so you were pretty consistent and got a lot of opportunity to Mm -hmm. grow okay yeah that's pretty cool so how long were you with the union before you started your own company um i think well my whole of course my entire apprenticeship five years and then three more years and then after that i started my own business what was that process like Um, it was a little intimidating because I didn't know anything about business, but you know, I was 28 years old. So, you know, at 28 years old, you know, you can do anything (laughs) 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 and see according to yourself, you're like, Oh, I got this. And, um, that's how it was. Did you have anybody teaching you the the business side of things or did you just kind of figure that out on your own? I had to figure it out on my own and I um, would network with other women in business 
And I learned a lot from other women in business. And yeah, just over the years, I had to learn. Going to different classes. I had so much. Yeah. Were there women in business organizations that you were a part of? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which ones were you in? The National Association of Women Business Owners. I am a past president in NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction. Okay. Uh, so, it, you know, so just learning from those women and going, I'm telling you, you learn pretty quick what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Trial by fire, I guess. Is this, yes. So was this first business one of the ones that you still run today or is this the one that you're talking about that didn't go so well? No, the one that didn't go so well, I had started a clothing line uh, for women for women in construction. Huh. Yeah. And um, I was well before my time because they didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Luckily, yeah. We, that's, that's starting to change. I'm seeing more and more um, clothing lines and boot lines going up, luckily. Yes. 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 So, but just like jeans, you can't get enough. No, not really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, this first business you started, is this the same one then that you run today? Yes. Mm-hmm. What's it, it called? Power Solutions. And we're 20 years old. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit more about Power Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, we are electrical and mechanical specialty contractor. We also do facility um, maintenance, which includes plumbing, carpentry as well. And um, that's what we we, we work for commercial and heavy industrial clients. Okay. So I take it over the past 20 years, you picked up the other trades then too? Yes. You want to tell me a little bit about that history and then how you transitioned into the other trades or added the other trades in? Well, um, well, yeah, because once you're working in a certain environment and they have other work that they need, that, that they need done, mm-hmm. they'll ask you to do that, too. So I would bring in different subcontractors and I started just I just started doing it. OK, so you just started self-performing after a while. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then um, your role now, what does that look like day to day? Um, I'm mostly into business development and, and I guess you can sort of speak sales, but, um, I'm a true CEO. I know I work on the business instead of really in it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what was that transition like? Cause I know that's, that's kind of a tough one for small businesses to get past the working in and then working on. Well, I really didn't have, um, I think because I network with more seasoned entrepreneurs, it kind of just happened. Okay. Um, It kind of just happened and they taught me to do that. They taught me how to hire people, how to hire my weaknesses, um, how to put a team together. So I'm, I'm so grateful for the women that taught me. I became early on a member of the Women's Chamber of Commerce. And it was so many different women in different industries there. And they were a lot older. So that helped as well. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's, I feel like that's kind of what my mom grew up teaching me, you know, it's like learning from the people who've already had the experiences so that you can avoid all the pitfalls that they went through. Exactly. It's like, why recreate the wheel? Yeah, I've been hearing that phrase a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Just take advantage of what's already out there and kind of make those minor shifts instead of starting all over. I like that. So then what other businesses have you started? Well, I have a company called Women Do Everything. And we're developing into a full staffing agency um, for women going into male-dominated industries or that are currently in those industries. Um, and we do some work workforce development in classes and workshops. What kind of classes and workshops do you run? Um, like... Um, Almost like a, the, where you can upskill, where you have like emotional intelligence, um, different things that help you go to another level, level like maybe going to management, um, those types of things. Okay. How did you, like, what inspired you to start Women Do Everything? Well, I, I guess I got, I kind of got tired of, um, oh, I didn't know women do that. And it's like, we've always done everything. We just never got the credit. Mm. I guess that so, goes back to standing up and speaking up for yourself. Yeah. So I kind of felt, I felt the need to always, um, to always promote other women or to show other women you can do this, but the only way a lot of the times to, to motivate younger women to get into these things is to show women that are already doing it. I agree. Yeah, that's helped me, you know, realize that like there are opportunities for somebody like me too. So I love that you are creating those opportunities so that women can excel and learn to stand up for themselves and more or less take over the world. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that's two. What's business three or organization three? Um, it's called Partners in Action for Healthy Living. And that's um, short for, for PAL. That's PAL, P-A-H-L. That's what we call it. Partners in Action for Healthy Living. And um, we, um, we grow food to give food to people in need. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, that uh, we manage over 20 community gardens. Plus we work at a lot of schools teaching curriculum for agriculture. But the main, our main goal is to grow to give. And um, I, just, I just love it. It's so, it's so rewarding. What sparked this? Well... Um, being an, an electrical contractor, an electrician, I wanted to operate in a nexus of energy, food, and water. And I'm big on water conservation. So what we seek to do is to, because out of those, those three are like the top, in, in the top five critical things that we need to survive. You cannot survive without power right now. 
without food or without water. Yeah, you've hit the trifecta there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I wanted to educate other people on um, on energy, um, energy like the sustainability. Um, also in agriculture, on the food um, that we that we grow, that we choose, how it affects the healthcare curve. It's just it's so it's really really complex, but it's a lot of food um, deserts out here. It's in a the lot United of places. States. Oh yes, the need for food is is it has increased during COVID by four hundred percent. I had no idea it was that high. Yes, yeah, very. It's very high. It's people that are in food lines that have never been in food lines before. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. That's just heartbreaking to hear, and just to hear four hundred percent is just yes. crazy. It is, it is. It's, it's, it's a tough. It's a tough time for a lot of people right yeah. now. But luckily, you're out there helping people, keeping them full and healthy. So thank you for that. Yes, and one of the um, one of the one of the the industries and women do everything that we encourage women to go into is agriculture. Very agriculture cool. has less than ten percent female participation. Wow. Uh, you know what, actually, now that I think about it, not very surprising. Um, but that is cool that you're introducing women to that industry. And I can definitely see that feeding into a way that these women can give back. Yes. And, and you know, the, the thing about food is, is it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. I think... Sometimes when we think about agriculture, it's more like, oh, somebody else will do that, but you don't know who that somebody else is. Right. Um, as we, um, like we just went through this, this whole thing with a lot of immigrants that were um, deported and a lot of them were in agriculture and it really hurt the farming business. And so now we have a lot of, um, there are a lot of people that are, um, that are immigrants right now that are here, that were brought back here just, just to be in agriculture. That is something I did not hear. Wow. Well, yeah, right. I mean, right, like, why would you, we? <laughs> and when you part of some of these agriculture, this agriculture ecosystem, and I had one lady, she said, Oh, five of my guys, they didn't show up. I'm worried about them. It's like, well, they're afraid for their life, whether they have a green card or not. Mm -hmm. So some of them had to make tough choices and leave good paying, good people, good jobs and in, in order they felt like they had to protect themselves. So all I know is we want to encourage more Americans to do these jobs but there's not, they're not really choosing these jobs. What inspires people to choose those jobs? It has to be a love and a passion for the earth and for growing things. Do you find yourself teaching that passion, that love for the earth? I don't think you can teach it. I think you get it, you gain, you gain that through exposure. 
And I think the earlier we can expose our children and allow them to feel how great it feels to, to grow food and to give food to people, I think that's the key versus, um, oh, you're going to make this type of living doing it because it's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like everything just kind of comes back to this idea of teaching the children, exposing them to what is out there and how to give back to the community around them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So our time here is wrapping up. I wanted to get one more question in before we head it out. Okay. So what is some advice you could give to somebody who's looking to go into um, electrical work? Um, I would say it's, I would say that anything that you see a man can do, you can do it. And one of my favorite things to say, anything a man can build, a woman can fix it. <laughs> I like it. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for that piece of advice and you're sharing your story with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to coming back again one day. Oh, I'd love to have you back. Thank you for listening to Space to Build the Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode on building community and confidence, would you mind taking a moment to subscribe and leave a review for the show? I appreciate your support as we continue to grow the Space to Build community both on and offline. If you'd like to connect with me and the ladies on this podcast, you can find us at Space to Build on Instagram. Thanks again. Until next time, remember, there's space for you in construction and you belong here.